all the unique characters. I do let them bang. Yeah, I say, yeah, I'm a legend, man. I'm building my legs. All the stories and perspectives featured weekly. I wasn't fully committed to that choke, and I kind of sunk into it, started squeezing tighter, and I kind of heard him gurgle a little bit. I was like, oh. And all the combat sports you could ask for in the best state in the U.S. Like I said, Ohio versus the world. It's going to happen for sure. Watch out. It'll be cool, man. I'm not worried about it. I'm going to show them why the Ohio MMA scene is, in my opinion, one of the best MMA scenes in the country. This is Forged in OH. IO. OH. IO. OH. IO. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 61 of Forged in Ohio. My name is Jake Murray, and I'm the host of the show. It's the first episode of Forge in Ohio in 2024, and you may have noticed some changes. The official Forge in Ohio logo has changed. A secondary logo has been added, and of course, we're back with a brand new intro to the show as well. Hope you all had a great holiday season, but I couldn't be happier to bring Forge in Ohio back in all of your lives in what should be an incredible 2024 for the show. Now, to kick off this new chapter of Forge in Ohio, I welcome a 3 and 3 professional mixed martial artist to the show. He represents Extreme Couture in Las Vegas. He's coming off a first round submission win and he returns home to fight on January 27th in the main event of WFC 165. It's the one and only Alex Aleko Poinar. Thanks for coming on the show, Alex, and welcome to Forged in Ohio. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm really cool to get to talk to you and be on this podcast. I've seen what you've been doing, and I think it's helping the Ohio MMA community a lot, so glad I get to talk to you. And yeah, thank you for those kind words, man. I appreciate it, and I appreciate you taking the time out of your day and, and joining me here on the first episode in 2024. Since you are a first-time guest, though, I want to rewind and get into your backstory a little bit, not all the way back to how you got into combat sports, but instead the the gamble that you took on yourself to take your talents to Las Vegas and Extreme Couture. How long have you actually been in Las Vegas? Uh, it's been about four and a half years now, going on five. I came out in August of 2019. Does it feel like it's been that long, or has it gone by really fast? Dude, I mean, it's gone by super fast. It's kind of crazy, like, time out here in Vegas, to me at least. I know a few others feel the same way that are kind of from, like, the Midwest. Time out in Vegas, it, like, days go by like this. But when I go back home, it's like everything kind of slows down. But, yeah, four and a half years out here, it's, it seems like it's been like a flick of the finger. Yeah, so four and a half years. Was that before you had your first pro fight, or were you 1-0 when you actually made the move? That was before my first pro fight. I, I moved out here and had my first pro fight, I think, two or three months after I moved out here. Okay, so without knowing all the details myself, I already admire your story, knowing that you did gamble on yourself and what you had to offer as a fighter and made such a big life decision. I guess the question is just why you made that decision and why you made the move out to Las Vegas. So pretty much uh, before I moved out to Las Vegas, I was helping Jessica I out uh, with her uh, number one contender camp. I think that I believe it was 2018, like the, the fall of 2018. She had a fight schedule with Caitlin Chukagan and uh, it was a number one contender fight. And she's like, hey, if you help me, I'll help get you know your career back up and going because I was kind of at a standstill as an amateur. It's kind of harder to go pro in Ohio, <clears throat> the regulations were different and stuff. And I was kind of at a standstill with where I was. And she was like, Hey, if you help me, 
you know, I'll help get your stuff uh, back up and going and all that jazz. So me and a few other people helped her train for the Chukagan fight all throughout the uh, fall of 2018. She went out, uh, she went out in December of 2018 to, we all went out to Toronto. She won a split decision and, you know, won the number one contender fight. And they gave her the title shot and she was like, Hey, like, I'm going to go out to Vegas and like train at extreme and use the UFC performance Institute. Uh, you know, since this is a title fight and a big deal and stuff, she's like, you know, I'm going to have to move out there, but I want you to come out and like be a part of the camp and like, you know, get to see what it's like out here. So I think it was like, it, it, it was like March, March or April of 2019, I believe. Yeah, it was March or April of 2019. She had me come out for like three and a half weeks to help her uh, with her training camp. And uh, it was like the first hour that I was at Extreme Couture. You know, she was like getting ready for her session and Gray Maynard was helping coach her. And like he knew who my high school wrestling coach was. We were like BSing a little bit and it was like within an hour, he was like showing me stuff up against the cage and like showing me techniques and all that jazz. And like within the next day, I had, you know, went to my first pro training session there. And it was my training partner was Joe Benavidez that day. And he was at that point the number one contender for the flyweight world championship. And, you know, I was out there for three and a half weeks and like got to train at the PI, got to meet a bunch of people and like got pretty close with Eric Nixick and all that stuff. And, you know, my last day in Vegas for my trip, Eric invited me to be a part of the team. And, you know, I think Ohio MMA is great and there's a lot of opportunity there, but it's just like the everything that was getting put on my plate. I was like, if this is what I want to do, you know, if I want to be a pro fighter and be a champion, this is where I have to be. And it was like, it was hard. I had to sell, I sold out of my business so I could have the money to get out here and, you know, be ahead for a little bit. And I mean, you know, I had it pretty good in Ohio. That's where my story is different for a lot of other people. I could have, I would have been fine, like more than well off fine. And, you know, but I think that no matter what I did or no matter what happened, if I would have passed up on this opportunity, you know, I've been in martial arts since I was six years old. If I would have passed up on this opportunity, I think that there would have been something not right for the rest of my life that I would have been upset with myself for. So, you know, I sold out of my business. I packed up my bags. I left all the comfort that I had. I left my family. I left my friends. And, you know, I moved out to Vegas later that summer. I believe, like I said, it was August of 2019 is when I made the official move out. And, you know, now, now we're here. But that's how I got out here. Yeah, that's an incredible story, man. It sounds like without Jessica I, maybe all of this would not have happened. When did you initially, you know, connect with her and build that relationship? It, it was like late summer of 2018. Uh, she was looking for training partners for a Chukagan fight. Uh, and I know that Kobe Fair, I don't know if you ever heard that name before. Um, Kobe Fair was like her wrestling coach and she was looking for training partners. And me and Kobe go way back. Um, and he kind of referenced my name because he knew that I was around the area and like that I was ranked number one at 135 and 125 as an amateur at the time and was kind of stuck in purgatory with like trying to go pro and all that stuff. And he's like, hey, if you help him out, he'll probably help you out. And that's where she, uh, you know, contacted me. And that's where it kind of all started off at. She definitely, uh, if it wasn't for her, I don't know where my career would have been or what would have happened. Um, but she definitely put me on and got my feet in the door. Yeah, and then getting that invite from Eric Nixick on that last day over there at Extreme Couture, just since then, in the four and a half years that you've been out there, what has that gym meant to you and your career as you progress as a mixed martial artist? I mean, man, I it's 
for the I mean, I've been a part of like a lot of teams and like a lot of gyms and a lot of coaches and all that stuff of high level stuff. But I mean, it's been a constant for the past four years where it's like just a place that, you know, you can rely on people that you feel at home. I don't know. It's a team. It's it's just like that team environment that's been a constant. Like since I've moved out here, like there's been a lot of good things that happen, but there's also been like a lot of whirlwind, like crazy stuff that's happened in my life. And no matter what, like the team's always been there and no matter what, like the people at the gym have always been there. So it's like, I don't know. And it's crazy because like when I moved out there, that was the first year that we won like team of the year for the entire world and like Eric got coach of the year and uh, I can't I think it was Francis got like fighter of the year and it's like three out of the four years that I've been here it's like we've got team of the year for best gym of the year and Eric gets coach of the year Strickland just won male fighter of the year so it's just like I mean I could go on and on and all the other people that I've met out here that aren't even part of extreme but are in the fight world it's just it's hard to articulate it's like I don't know six or 13, 14 year old me wouldn't believe it. Like the people that I'm networked with right now and get to be with on the daily. It's a blessing. Yeah, the growth of Extreme Couture has been insane recently. I'd be foolish not to ask about some of those big names that you just mentioned, being that you are the first fighter to join me on the show out of Extreme Couture. So what's it like sharing the room with guys like Francis Naganu, who was the biggest story to follow in 2023, Sean Strickland, many people's male fighter of 2023, and then, of course, we mentioned him a couple times, the, the 2023 coach of the year, Eric Nixick. Dude, it's like I said, it's it, the best way I articulate it is it's a blessing, man. And it's like, that's just a couple of the names. I mean, we have dudes that are top 10 in every weight class on the mat at all times. And it's just like, at first it was a little bit of a culture shock, but now it's like, I don't know. That's just, that's my team. Those are my friends. That's, you know, my homies. And like I said, I know, I know where my career is going to go. Like, I know I'm going to be a champion, but no matter what, like the experiences that I've had being a part of this team, like. I'll always be able to give that back and show what the top, you know, level of this game is like when it's all said and done. Like, that's definitely what I want to do is give back to the MMA world, especially in Ohio. And it's like, you know, we've we've been team of the year for three years now. And Eric gets coach of the year. We have fighter of the year. Uh, you know, I've been a part of five UFC world title camps, like pretty in specific as a main training partner. So it's like I can bring all that experience back. And it's just like, like I said, I still have a good amount that I have to accomplish in my career, but you know, that's just all stuff that I get to give back to the MMA community in Ohio when it's all said and done. Yeah, we'll get to your career shortly, but with how these last four and a half years have gone, do you have any regrets about that decision that you made to move to Las Vegas and pursue this uh, career somewhere else? No, like I said, it, it would be, uh, and I like, I've been through some crazy stuff out here, but it's like, it's hard to me into the man that I am. And it's like the sacrifices that I've had to make. It's giving me the opportunity to be a part of the things I've gotten to be a part of and experience the things I've got to experience. So I definitely wouldn't take anything back. And like I said, I had to make some big sacrifices to come out here. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people, yeah, a lot of people have their different stories, but you know, I could have lived comfortably and been fine. And, you know, I decided to pursue something higher, but no regrets. For sure, man. Talking with Alex Aleko Poinar on Forged in Ohio. Let's get into your actual pro career now. You own a 3-3 three and three record and are coming off a first-round submission victory. On social media, you wrote that you were born again following the win. What did that victory mean to you? Uh, it, 
of clarity on a lot of things, man. Like, I mean, you look at my record and you can see I had three first round losses in a row. And like a lot of people would have definitely quit and gave up after the first loss, let alone the the two after that. But, and I'm not like part of that whole experience is like me having to be a man and say that I lost and like, you know, I'm not, I don't, it doesn't happen to me very often. It kind of sucks the sequence that it happened in, but it's like, you know, I had to, it had to harden me as a person, but if you watch the fights and see like what happened it, it, and I don't, it's not like I'm making excuse. If you watch the fights, all three of them were pretty bizarre. Like something bizarre happened each time and each fight I was pretty much dominating the fight and something crazy happened. And it was just like, I don't know if like, I don't know after each fight you're like should i be doing this did i make the wrong decision you know did i just mess my life up and all that stuff but it was like you know i i believe in something higher and i would always whatever you want to call it i i, I would talk to the higher and ask for a sign to keep going it was like i would get the sign almost immediately and like you know i had made some changes with like who specifically was coaching me and who was training me and like honed down on that honed down with some of my training like some of the stuff I was doing with training just to like try and cause it didn't make any sense. Some of my losses didn't make any sense, but it was like, all right, I have to try and fix something here obviously to make it better. And, you know, I didn't quit. I didn't give up. And, you know, I still think, I still know I can be a champion and I got momentum back on my side with that last fight and it kind of showcased what my true skills and abilities are. And that's what I'm going to continue to do. Yeah, so you mentioned the bizarre finishes to some of those fights, and I watched two of the losses on YouTube, and one of them was like a, a leg kick, and then the other one was you went for a takedown, and then it seemed like it was just like almost like you were struggling to get back up. Were there health concerns going into those fights, and that's why they were finished that way, or what were the actual reasons to those bizarre finishes? So the the fight, the first fight that you said, like the the kicks, I tore my calf muscle. So if you watch the fight the dude started with a jump knee and like I got out there and he just threw a calf kick that slapped me right on the calf and it tore my soleus muscle. And that was like eight seconds into the first round. And like, I tried to fight through it. I actually got a takedown was in some good position, but I didn't know it was my calf that was torn. I thought something was wrong with my knee. Cause like my leg wasn't working right. And he smacked me with like two other ones, one right at the end of the round. And like my, my calf was torn and my leg went out and the ref ran in and stopped it. And it was like, that was seven seconds into the first round. And like I said, you know, that's the fight game. Stuff happens like that and it's out of your control. But that was pretty bizarre. Then the other fight uh, that you were talking about, it was like I was landing all my strikes. I blasted him with a takedown and probably had a little bit too much momentum. And he rolled through on me um, and he came up and I went to grab his leg on a single leg. And he like pulled his leg out. How he pulled his leg out, pulled my momentum forward and my head smacked off the mat. And, like, I was fine, but I was kind of like, well, what happened? And that's where you see me, like, crawl up on all fours. And I saw him right in front of me trying to, like, hit me. And I kind of rolled into the fence and went up to grab his leg, and the ref ran in and stopped it. It looked like a super weird sequence, but if you watch the film afterwards, like, I'm literally telling the ref, like, I'm fine. Like, why'd you stop it? Like, I'm fine. And it's just, like, it was just a bizarre sequence. Like, I hit my head. I came up on all fours. I saw him right in front of me. I didn't want to get kneed in the face or, like, hit with a hammer fist so I rolled into the fence and I came right up to grab his leg and you know the ref was in there and it's like I could blame the referee you know I could blame whatever I wanted to blame but it's like I lost so I have to take accountability for that and you know a lot of people don't have perfect careers but I have a style that I know I can go on a 10 or 15 fight win streak you know once I keep hitting my stride so I'm just going to keep focusing on that but it was all stuff like that. 
Yeah, for sure. And when you are not only on a three-fight losing streak with all the, the losses coming in the first round, but with those bizarre finishes to these fights, was it hard not to reach rock bottom, especially mentally when you're going through that, when you're starting 2-0, and and then all of a sudden you're 2-3 and in your career? Yeah, and was getting told that I would be two or three fights away from being in contender series of the UFC, and then that string of events happened. I mean, yeah, I hit rock bottom. Yeah, like, I mean... It's hard to get money as a fighter as it is, and it's just like, yeah, I hit rock bottom. It was as hard as it gets, but I would always get a sign to keep going, and it was like, you know, yeah, the people that I train with out here, I mean, that asked me to come train with them, it's like if I was wasting their time, they wouldn't they wouldn't do that. If the coaches you know, thought that I wasn't worth it, then they wouldn't give me you know, their time with the high level that they're at, and it was like, yeah, I was skating on thin ice, but this game, you know, when you're losing, it looks like it's the end of the world, but one win pretty much erases all of that, and I'm just going to keep momentum on my side. But it was like, yeah, it was hard. You know, you hit rock bottom. You feel like you have nothing. You don't know what's going on. And, like, with how my fights happen, you're like, okay, well, what do I do? How do I fix this? Like, what's going on? But, I mean, you know, my parents raised me to be tough. You know, I've had good mentors through my whole life. I've seen a lot of people go through adversity and crazy things, and, it's like at the end of the day, I came out here for a career, not six fights, you know what I'm saying, or not five fights. And it's like, it sucks that it didn't go my way, but I had to suck it up and just keep fighting, just keep competing and know what my capabilities are. And it's like, you know, I've got to train with the best guys in the world that are in my weight class and the weight class above me. And it's like, I know what I'm capable of. You know, it's not a question of what I'm capable of. It's just, you know, sometimes MMA is kind of like, yeah, the better guy wins most of the time, but it's also there can be like a Russian roulette factor in it. And unfortunately, I got shot, you know, three times in a row. But, you know, I'm out here for a career. I've competed my whole life. I still have fight in me. So, you know, just had to deep, dig deep down. And like, I don't know, like I said, I believe in the higher, whether you want to call it God or not, and had some deep conversations with him. And, you know, he pulled me out of it and I pulled myself out of it. And I had the support system that I have helped me pull out of it. And now I got all the momentum back on my side. So I'm just going to keep going. From a positive perspective, I guess, you know, looking at when that three fight losing streak came in your career, it was when you were two and zero and a relatively young pro mixed martial artist. So is there anything to say like that you're happy that you got it out of the way now that way in the future, when you, you know, maybe reach like eight, no, and you're undefeated with many, many wins, then you're not falling there. And then of course you learned probably a lot from the, from those losses. Oh, a thousand percent. And that's like another thing that I kind of hung my hat on to keep going. It was like, it was early in my career. It's not like I made it to the UFC and then dropped three in a row and got left on my head. It's like, all right, well, you had some learning lessons, and even if it was some bizarre shit that can't really be explained, you had some learning lessons early in your career, you can turn it around like that. And being a flyweight, it's not like I have to get 15 more wins to get into a big league. You know, flyweight's not as crazy saturated as other weight classes. So it's like, all right, get a few more and you're in. And it's like, yeah, pretty much it. And we've actually seen you compete at both bantamweight and flyweight. Why have you bounced between 125 and 135? Uh, well, so I fought at 35 once or both my fights at 135 as a pro, uh, the guys that fought at flyweight before, and we kind of just agreed to go up to 135 cause if there wasn't an obvious size advantage or anything like that. And this last one in specific was the same thing, but it was like a three week notice fight. So we were both just like, screw it. We don't need to, you know, we don't need to cut weight. Let's just fight at 135. So that's why it is. But the majority of my career will be at 25. 
Yeah, true 125er for sure. So are those those weight cuts down to 125 difficult or by now you've kind of have it mastered? So it's like it's never fun. It's never easy. But like I wrestled in college and wrestled all through high school and all that stuff. And like I coached as well. Like I was a head coach in Ohio. So like I have a lot of experience with like what to do and what not to do with weight cutting. And like it's never easy and it's never fun. But I've got it down to a science. And I actually just started working with uh, like a nutritionist and performance coach. His name's Logan Bond. Uh, he lives out in Cali. I've met him a few times out here, but we've been working remotely and he's been helping me with my nutrition and stuff. And it's like, I mean, it's going to like the last day of the actual weight cut's going to suck because it's never fun to cut weight and any of that stuff, but it's going to be easy. And I feel better than I ever have, like at the weight that I'm at right now. And, you know, it's just part of the game. So I try not to feel, I feel like a lot of people in the game, they feel sorry for themselves when they cut weight and do this whole woe is me stuff. And it's like, dude, like, one, you're wasting time. Two, you're wasting energy. Three, nobody feels sorry for you because you decided to do this. And it's like, I don't I don't play that game. You know, I do what I agreed to do and I handle business because it's my job to make weight. So, but I think that working with this nutritionist is going to make it even easier for me. So. Yeah, absolutely. And a question that just came to the top of my mind, speaking about nutrition and weight cutting, things like that, it seems like the new craze right now in combat sports is fasting. I keep on seeing fighters go on fast on social media and things like that. Has that been something that you've ever experienced or you plan on doing in 2024? Uh, So like, I don't do it during like the week or anything like that, because like I do strength conditioning, dude, I train five, six hours a day. And it's like, I don't care who's saying what, like, if you train, like I do, you have to eat. Like, there's no, like, there's no way around it, but I, I have played with it. I, on Sundays, some days, like I'll do like an intermittent fast and like not do it, not eat anything from like 8 PM to like five or 6 PM the next day, like 8 PM Saturday to five to 6 PM on Sunday. And I love feel like, I feel like my thoughts are clear. I feel like, you know, I'm not lethargic at all. I feel my body feels good and all that stuff. So like, I'd say I'm an advocate for it. I'd be willing to try out like the longer fast that we see everybody's getting on the fat of doing, but it's kind of hard when you have the output that I have with training and stuff. But I'm, like I said, the days that I do the intermittent fasting, I love how I feel. And I think that it could, I mean, studying the anatomy that I have a little bit, I think that it definitely is beneficial for not only athletes, but really anybody to play with fasting a little bit. So I'm, I'm, I'm an advocate of it. Once again, this is Alex Aleko Poinar with us on Forged in Ohio. Finally, let's talk about January 27th, your return home to Ohio as you fight in Cleveland at WFC 165 in the main events. What does the location of what will be your seventh pro fight mean to you? I mean, to me, it's all the same. To me, it's just another day, you know, at gym that's a sparring session that counts. Like the arena outside doesn't, when I'm in the cage, like it doesn't, it's just another it's just another day of training to me that counts but i will say i haven't fought at home in seven years and like there's a lot of people that i haven't talked to you know in a long time that are going to be there and like we're going to pack the house it's going to be it's going to be crazy it's going to be a special event i'm excited to get to share that moment you know with my training partners with my coaches and with everybody that's you know that's one thing with all the crazy stuff i've been through i've had a support system that like also said like okay if you don't if you stop that's cool but we support you to keep going and a lot of those people are going to be at the fight so i'm excited to get to put on for them and go out and put on an amazing performance and showcase that i am elite yeah do you expect to draw a big crowd on the 27th 
Oh, for sure. I mean, I don't know exactly how many tickets I've sold, but it's definitely over a hundred. So it'll be a, it'll be a fun show. Wow. So is there more pressure fighting at home with 100 people at least in attendance for you, knowing that there will be those people that are literally there to watch you fight in the main event? I'll thrive off of it, man. I mean, like pressure can make you crumble or turn you into a diamond. It's like I thrive off of that shit. And it's like another thing off of that, too, is I've competed since I was six years old. So like I'm just going out there to compete, man. Like it'll be cool. And like if any fighter tells you that they don't get nervous before they walk out or they don't deal with like the demons and stuff in their mind before they walk out they're lying to you but I've, I've learned how to like cope with it and like use that as like fuel you know what i'm saying so luckily i've been competing since i was six so it'll be it'll be a fire for me you mentioned how this is your first fight in ohio in seven years you fought all over the country and this is your first pro fight in your hometown state of ohio so why did it take so long to get a fight here in, in ohio um, I mean, just the fights and the opportunities that were coming up for me, they were all like, in. Uh, I had three fights in Salt Lake City, Utah, and it was just like, that's the state over from Las Vegas. So it was kind of easy to communicate with those people and get those fights. And, you know, the other places that I was at, I mean, Arizona was right next to Nevada as well. And then the Louisiana fight came up on short notice. And that's just kind of how it happened. But uh, Matt from WFC hit me up uh like eight weeks ago and was just like, Hey, we have a boxing show the 26th and an MMA show the 27th. We would love to have you on. And I was like, okay, cool. Let's do it. You know? And he put me with the matchmaker and the matchmaker put it together. And now we're here. So I'm excited to get to do it. Like I've wanted to fight in Ohio and stuff, but it's just a matter of taking the right opportunities. And, you know, when fights come up, you don't want to say no to them, obviously. And that's why I had fights in other places, but you know, I'm real excited to come back home and put on for, you know, everybody in Cleveland and everybody from my hometown and everybody from my home state. Yeah, I can't wait for it myself, man. There's no doubt that your opponent is tougher, at least on paper and record-wise, than your last opponent. What do you think of Victor, your opponent, on the 27th? Um, I think he's scrappy. I think he's going to come in and try and bite down on his mouth guard and go, but I think I'm better everywhere. And I know that, you know, it's going to be a good night. And I'm going to get my hand raised at the end. That's, that's all I think. I think I think about me being my best self more than my opponent. In your last win, you talked about working on the arm triangle choke before it actually came to fruition in the fights. Is there something you've been working on this time around that you see happening in the fight? I mean, really anything. And that in specific, like the Tuesday before my fight uh, at Jake Shields is my grappling coach, and he has practices every uh, Tuesday, Thursday. And that was just the move he was going over on Tuesday. And I got like 100 reps of it in. My one training partner was like, man, if you get him down, you might get this because you you get it really tight. And I was like, okay, cool. And maybe he was messing with my subconscious, and that's why it happened. But it was just kind of bizarre because that's what we were drilling on Tuesday. And then Saturday I hit it. So, but I mean, I have a whole plethora of stuff that could happen. So I can finish the fight on the feet on the ground it doesn't matter where i'm ready for a 15 minute war if it has to be as well too yeah i'm not sure if you're one for fight predictions but it sounds like you can win this one obviously wherever it goes but if you are one for fight predictions how do you see yourself winning this one with, with me getting my arm raised I, I don't go too specific about it with me getting my arm raised at the end that's all that's going to happen 
Yes, sir. We talked about the trials and tribulations you went through in your pro career with that losing streak. You now have the chance to start a winning streak on January 27th for the first time since 2021. Does that carry any extra meaning just to get two in a row to go your way? Oh, of course. Like I said, I mean, part of the reason why I didn't give up is because I know I have a style that I can go on a 10 or 15 fight win streak against anybody. It doesn't matter if it's who I'm, who my opponent is on the 27th or a top five guy in the UFC. And I speak confidently on that because it's like, that's who I'm training with every single day. So it's like, you know, I'm excited to get to showcase my skills more and put more proof of work of what I'm capable of out there on the 27th. And like you said, continue, continue the start of a big win streak. I know all of your focus is on January 27th, but with your first fight in 2024 taking place only 27 days into the year, are you excited by the idea of being more active this year compared to 2023 when you fought once? Oh, absolutely. Like, I'm trying to fight four times this year for sure, 100%. Um, You know, like I said, life's crazy sometimes, and there was some crazy life stuff that happened after that last fight that kind of put me no injuries or anything, but it was just, you know, the timing didn't add up and it was a little bit longer of a layoff than we wanted. And, you know, I'm glad that we got this fight when it did, but it's like, I'm going to definitely try and fight four times this year and stay as active as possible. I mean, my ideal goal is to be in the big leagues this time next year or before the end of this year. Yeah. Is that the UFC in your mind? Wherever UFC, PFL, I wouldn't mind going to fight in Ryzen and, and one FC, just whoever can give me the best opportunity, that type of deal. UFC, I mean, the PI and like the Apex and the headquarters is right down the road. So obviously that's a big possibility. But, you know, I'm not opposed to other options as well, too. I think the UFC is great, obviously, and it's the biggest marketing tool that you can have in MMA. But I think that other business or other organizations also pay pretty well just from my experience of being out here and seeing what my training partners are getting paid how they're getting taken care of. So I don't, I'm not closed to my doors aren't closed to other places as well to be, to be humble about it. Yeah, for sure. And it's uh, an important thing to weigh your options in this MMA space, especially in 2024, knowing things that uh, will, will change quite rapidly. And it sounds like it's going to be a great 2024 for you and your career before we wrap up, man, just anything you want to shout out or plug here at the back end of the podcast. Shout out to you for having me on this podcast. And like I said, what you're trying to do for the Ohio MMA community, I think that it's going to go a longer way than you realize, too, because people need to hear and see what's going on with the fighters and that there is actual talent in Ohio. And I think that can help a lot. So shout out to you. Uh, Shout out to all my coaches and training partners at Extreme Couture. Shout out to all of my sponsors that helped me out. I have a bunch for this fight, so they all know who they are. Thank you. Shout out to my nutritionist, Logan for uh, help coming in and helping me and taking care of a lot of things that I needed help with with that. And, you know, shout out to everybody back home in Ohio that's going to be there at the fight or tuning in to support me. Get ready. We're going to blow the roof off. Yeah, there we go, man. Thanks again, Alex, for joining me on the show. I truly appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule coming on the show this close to your fight while being thousands of miles away in Las Vegas. Before I let you go, I always like to end these chats on Forge in Ohio with the OHIO chant. So, OHIO. Thanks, Alex. I wish you the best of luck on the 27th. I cannot wait for that fight, and I can't wait to talk to you again on here down the line. I appreciate you, man. Thank you. Let's do it again sometime.
That was Alex Aleko Poinar, the 3-3 three three Pro Mixed Martial Artist out of Extreme Couture. It certainly sounds like this is a new chapter in the career of Alex Poinar. There's no doubt the talent is there. It's just a matter of putting it all together, and that's where he is right now. I couldn't be looking forward to his homecoming fight on January 27th anymore, and that's going to do it for the first episode of Forge in Ohio in 2024. What a start with Alex Poinar joining the show, and I'm committed to making this a breakout year for Forge in Ohio. If you'd like to help me with that, then check out the show on Instagram and Facebook, of course, at Forged in Ohio. Also, download each episode wherever you listen to podcasts and share the show with people around you. Thank you for watching or tuning in. I've been your host, Jake Murren, and this was Forged in Ohio.